Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. My name is Adrian. Adrian Adler. I've always been a curious guy. Some might say I'm curious to a fault, but hey, how else does anyone get any answers? You have to push. You have to press against the accepted narrative and squeeze until little drops of truth start leaking out. Once you've tasted even just one drop of that sweet nectar, you'll never accept anything less. Maybe my curiosity is hereditary or genetic. My dad is a bit of an amateur sleuth as well. He's still down in Arizona studying some, quote, reflections in the clouds that just happen to look a lot like flying saucers. I've had to move on from UFOs myself. That community has gotten way too crowded in the past couple of years. Dad still sends me his notes from time to time, but I'm onto something a little closer to home. Home meaning Earth, that is. I first learned about the Nebraska Baron on YouTube. Some of the rumors are similar to classic Area 51 stuff, but what we know for sure is far more interesting to me. For example, you can very easily find satellite images of the Baron and view it from above. All you can really see is a wall around nothing. The Nebraska Baron, or the NB as we investigators call it, appears to be an open field surrounded by a dense ring of forest. Now I suppose the trees could be hiding something of interest from the aerial view, but as YouTuber Science's Fake pointed out, any facilities hidden within those trees would have to be incredibly small, and short enough not to be visible over the Baron's border wall. My interest in the NB is what got me to move all the way from Scottsdale to middle of nowhere Nebraska. Forgive me for withholding the actual name of the town. The last thing I need is more people moving out here to study the Baron. Although I think my days of first-hand fact-gathering are behind me. I'm locked up and I've lost my man on the inside. His name was Daniel O'Hanlon, but he told me to call him Danny. Danny O, if you like, he said. That's what the kids in high school called me. They'd say, Hey, here comes Danny O. Make us laugh, Danny O. Do something crazy, Big Danny. He cringed at the end, and I realized he hadn't meant to let Big Danny slip out. I got the feeling he had been called that name far more often than Danny O. Danny was big. Not enormous, but rotund. He had a cherubic face with a brown crown of short, buzzed hair and a strap of peach fuzz around his chin. He had a malicious-looking mole beneath his right eye that could be pretty distracting when I was talking to him. His belly must have mostly been made of beer, because I honestly can't say I ever saw him eat. I'd seen him drink plenty, though. That's because all of our meetings happened at the bar where we first met. He had come in after a shift, much to my delight. I had chosen that particular bar because of its proximity to the Baron's Wall. 
I had hoped a guard might come in at some point, and sure enough, in walked Danny O. He had unbuttoned his uniform. It hung open, showing off a dingy white undershirt that was stretched to near transparency against Danny's wobbling belly. One look passed his mole into his eyes and I knew I had just found my guy. My man on the inside. I saw a certain softness in those eyes. A sadness, maybe. Danny looked like the kind of guy who woke up every day already feeling a little defeated. Long day? I asked him as he sidled up to the bar. Same old, same old, he said. He held up two fingers and the barkeep brought him two Budweiser's. For a second I thought one might be for me, but he drew both of them in close to his hilly chest. He then turned to me, expecting more conversation. You work at the Baron? I asked. I'm sorry? A rehearsed look of confusion tightened his features like someone had just ratcheted his nose like a lug nut. Oh, you mean the conservation center? I laughed. YouTuber De Whole Truth had mentioned how local authorities referred to the NB as some sort of nature conservation. They act like it's protected land, but everyone knows the protected lands are public areas like Yosemite and Yellowstone, De Whole Truth had said in a 2017 video about the NB. You can drop the conservation crap with me, man, I told Danny. I know what that place really is. You do? Danny asked with the sweet innocence of a toddler. I remember it vividly because that was the very moment I realized how easy he would be to manipulate. It almost made me feel guilty. Of course, I said, casually ordering my own beer. Just one. If it was any old conservation center, you guys wouldn't need to have 20 guards posted around the clock now, would you? There's only 12 of us at a time unless we're between shifts, Danny said. I had to look away because I could not contain my smirk. Poor Danny had just unwittingly divulged his first bit of intel. Say, do you ever take anyone around for tours of that place? I asked. No one's allowed in there. Not even us guards, Danny said. The only people who go in are... He looked surprised and quickly pressed a Budweiser to his lips as if he were trying to cork them up. He had been about to say too much and caught himself. Damn. Hey, that's alright, don't get yourself in trouble, I said. You look like you've had a long day and could use some conversation about anything but work. What do you say? Next round's on me. You mean it? Danny asked. I nodded and said, Call me Adrian. Just plain old Adrian. That was when Danny and I began our friendship. I stayed true to my word and didn't bring up the Nebraska Baron again that night, even though the next round turned into the next three rounds, and Danny probably would have told me anything I had asked. I needed his trust, though. In those early stages of my investigation, his trust was more valuable than anything he might have let slip by accident. At the end of the night, I made one small but calculated play. I offered to drive Danny home. Just before he got out and stumbled up to his apartment, I said, Hey Danny O, if you ever do offer a tour behind the wall, let me know. I'd love for you to show me around. All he did was nod and give me a toothy, drunken smile, but I knew I had planted the seed. I'd bought him drinks, I'd driven him home, I'd been a friend and showed interest in his work. He would remember that. When the right time came, he would remember. 
I frequented that bar so often one of the bartenders took to shouting Yo Adrian like Rocky Balboa every time I came in. I always gave him the same curt nod and terse smile before ordering a soda water to keep me occupied until Danny came in and the real drinking began. That Danny O knew how to put him back. Fortunately, I know how to pace myself and always remained clear enough to drive him home and pull my lasso a little tighter around his trust every night. Finally, after almost a month of excruciating patience, I had my chance to make the big request. Danny was smashed. His eyes were barely open as I drove him home. I asked him once more if the NB staff ever let anyone from the outside in. Nuh-uh, never. Is really dangerous inside, he said. Why is it dangerous, I asked. There's stuff in there. I don't know. I'm not allowed to go in there. They say, no, Danny is too dangerous for you. Doesn't that piss you off, I asked. Yeah, yeah, it does a little. I mean, like, I don't even know what I'm guarding out there. Like, what if it's something really bad? What if it is, I asked, trying to sound concerned. Danny just shrugged. I'll go in with you, I offered. I'll come find you at work, and we can go inside together. You could finally know what's in there, Danny. And if it's something bad, you can tell the world about it. You'll be a hero. Danny stared straight forward. I couldn't tell if he was considering the idea or falling asleep. A few seconds later, he said the words that validated the month I had blown at that bar, buying drinks for a chronic drunk. Okay. Okay, let's do it. Danny gave the best description he could of where to meet him while his brain sloshed around in beer. That was really all I needed. I knew he might end up feeling differently about the expedition once he sobered up, but as long as I knew where he would be, I had a spot to sneak in with or without him. Sure enough, when I met him at his post the next day, Danny was ready for me. He had a whole speech prepared about how I was a bad friend for making him agree to such a stupid idea when he was so drunk. He told me all about how he was on duty and how he could lose his job. How he didn't have anything to fall back on and definitely nothing else that would pay as much as he was paid to guard the NB. The secrecy is a big part of why the salary is so high. You try finding another guard position that brings in this much dough. All right, Danny, all right, I said. Maybe if I'd been totally sober, I wouldn't have made you agree to this. I'll go. I turned and walked away from Danny through the trees surrounding the Nebraska Barrens wall. When I wasn't able to see him anymore, I doubled back. He had told me there were 12 guards. The wall was supposed to have almost a mile-long circumference, so that meant there were over 400 feet of unprotected wall between each guard. I'm sure some of the guards wandered a bit to shrink those gaps, but not Danny O. Not Big Danny. I walked back toward the wall diagonally, estimating that I would reach it about 200 feet from Danny's post. I only had to hope the next guard over hadn't drifted too far toward his lazy colleague. When I reached the wall again, I almost couldn't believe my luck. There were no guards in sight. The wall is about seven feet tall, which is likely sufficient to keep people like Danny out, but not me. There was only one problem, something I hadn't been able to see in the satellite images. An intricate net stretched from the top of the wall into the tops of the trees behind it. Fortunately, I had brought my small pocket knife. 
I just had to hope the net wasn't made of some sort of secret government fibers. I jumped and caught the edge of the wall, then pulled and climbed my way on top of it. I would have loved to take a minute to relish that moment as I balanced between the known and the unknown, but I had to respect the very real possibility that I could be caught. Instead, I cut through the bottom of the net fairly easily and dropped over the wall into the enigmatic Nebraska Barren. Hearing my first crackling footsteps, I realized how quiet it was inside the wall. I had become so accustomed to the constant rattling of insects in the Midwest, the cicadas in the trees, the crickets in the grass, but inside the NB, I heard neither of these, nor did I hear a single bird chirping. I knew the wall and net weren't sufficient enough to keep non-human critters out, so I figured something else must have been. For the first time, I felt a little nervous about being in there alone. The trees seemed much less dense up close than they did in the satellite images. They were spaced out like pillars in a palace. There were enough of them to keep me from seeing too far into the barren from the edge, though. I had to get to the open center. I wanted to know what kind of filling was in the middle of this donut. Oh man, I knew you were gonna do this. Danny's voice made my heart seize and I almost puked it up onto one of the trees. I turned, ready to scold him for scaring me, but caught myself before I made any sounds that might give us away. Careful, man, I whispered. You nearly gave me a heart attack. And what if I had screamed, huh? I'd just be caught doing my job, he replied smugly. You'd be the one in trouble. How did you get in here? I asked. I just climbed over the wall like I'm sure you did. Well, so much for my assumption about Danny being unable to scale the seven-foot wall. His skin glistened and he sounded a little out of breath, but he had made it. So what now? I asked. You here to turn me in? No, not yet. But if we get caught, I'm going to have to tell them I chased you in here to stop you. Fair enough, I said. So are you coming with me? He nodded and we headed towards the center together. Sure is quiet. Danny noted. Yeah, I guess the birds and bugs don't like it in here. You don't think there's some kind of poison gas in here, do you? Danny asked. Nah, that net wouldn't keep something like that contained. You really have no idea what's in here? Not a clue. When I was hired, they made me sign an agreement that I wouldn't even ask. That didn't strike you as odd? Like I said before, you try finding a security job that pays this much. Maybe you don't realize this, but I'm not, like, a smart guy, Adrian. I didn't do so great in high school. College definitely wasn't in the cards for me. So it was either this or... I don't even know what else. By this point, we were about halfway out of the trees. I treaded lightly to avoid making noticeable sounds, but my efforts were wasted by Danny's clumping footsteps. So does anyone ever come in here? I asked. Oh, yeah. I never talk to those guys, but they drive a big truck with a horse trailer in here every day. Whatever they do, they're quick. They usually get in and out in under ten minutes. What time does that happen? Oh, it's already happened today. We shouldn't have to worry about them finding us, Danny said, but still looked anxiously over his shoulder. We pressed on a little further. I could see the clearing ahead through the trees. It looked like there might have been rocks scattered all over it but they didn't look like ordinary rocks, at least from our distance. The objects were a greenish color, like bile, or, 
I thought, maybe they were covered in bright moss. Danny gasped. He crouched to study something on the ground. Adrian, you gotta see this, he said. He was crouched over a large, wet bone. By my estimation, the bone was at least three feet long. It didn't have any meat left on it, but some smeared blood hadn't dried yet. What do you think this belonged to? Danny asked. I'm not sure, I replied. It looks like a femur. Maybe a cow or a horse. The horse trailer, Danny said excitedly. He didn't seem scared or even worried. The excitement of putting this puzzle together had overcome him. I recognized the feeling I myself have felt many times over the years. Come on, let's keep going, I said. If whatever cleaned off that bone is in here with us, we probably don't want to stick around for too long. We pushed forward and finally reached the clearing. There were hundreds of greenish rocks. They lay about the clearing in no order or pattern I could decipher. Each rock looked just like the next. They were all about as big as an official-sized football and similarly shaped, roughly a foot long and in the middle, maybe seven inches in diameter. The ends tapered, wider at the bottom and thinner at the top, like eggs. In that revelatory moment, I realized that was exactly what they were. Eggs. Danny, I think these are... Shh, he hissed. I couldn't imagine what would be more interesting or important than a field full of giant green eggs, but I followed Danny's upward gaze anyway. In the trees, he whispered. He was looking out across the field at the trees opposite our position. If my eyesight had been just a little worse, I don't think I would have detected it. The treetops were all woven together by millions, maybe billions of silky threads the same color as the eggs. They formed a sort of mesh canopy all around the circumference of the clearing. I looked straight up to confirm that, yes, the webbed canopy was directly above us as well. It was probably what made the trees look so dense in the satellite images. Them's the biggest cobwebs I ever seen, Adrian. Danny said. He sounded like a man on the verge of panic. I put a hand on the back of his arm to give him a little confidence, but also, mostly, to keep him from darting off into the trees. I did not want to be left alone. I looked across the clearing, studying the treetops. At first I had wondered if the government had put the webbing in the trees to keep birds and bugs out, or maybe trap something else in, but I quickly discarded this notion. It couldn't be a coincidence that the substance was the same color as the eggs. Something brushed against my hand, the one on the back of Danny's arm. I whipped around and brought my hand back to my own side. Long, fuzzy branches had dropped down around Danny like he was a plush toy in a claw machine. They opened wide as if to grab him, and I realized they were not branches, but limbs. Danny, move, I shouted. I lunged forward, grabbed him by the uniform, and pulled him away. The creature hissed. We took two steps and Danny tripped, falling on top of me. I shoved him off with great effort afforded to me by adrenaline, but the creature dropped onto me instead. Its numerous legs pummeled me from all directions. I planted my hands on the underside of its body to hold it off. The thing had a wide, circular mouth lined with a ring of needle-like teeth. It shuddered every time it pushed against my hands and its teeth rattled inside that horrible mouth like toothpicks in a box. 
Danny, help me, I shouted. He didn't answer by word or action. The creature was trying to keep my legs pinned, but I freed them and raised my knees to my belt. I delivered a vicious double kick to its underside and connected with both feet. The creature fell on its back next to my head, and I wasted no time getting off the ground. Danny hadn't responded to my cry for help because he was already running back toward the wall. The coward had left me for dead. I would soon return the favor. Now the trees were buzzing with sounds. A chorus of sticky clicking noises mixed with the rowdy rustling of leaves and branches overhead. Twigs were falling to the ground all around me, but I couldn't look up. I still had the immediate threat of the first creature to deal with. It was struggling to right itself. The open, toothy mouth made a high-pitched hiss with a harmonic undertone. Its legs, ten if I had counted correctly, flailed wildly in the air. Overall, the creature was inarguably spider-like with a few key differences. It had the extra legs, and its body was just one round disc with that garbage disposal of a mouth at the center. I didn't see any eyes, nose, or other sensory features. Maybe I would have if I had stuck around, but I used the creature's moment of helplessness as my opportunity to run. I spared only one second to check the canopy above, and it was almost a second too long. Three more identical creatures were already scrambling down the trees nearest me. Dozens more were scuttling across the webs above. I briefly considered running the opposite direction, but thought of the net above the wall. I didn't know if I would have enough time to cut through it again with those things on my heels. I needed to get back to the same spot from which I'd come in and pray the mutant spiders couldn't figure out how to follow me through the opening I'd created. It didn't take me long to catch up with Danny. He was lumbering back towards the wall. Two spider creatures had started closing in on him. If he had tripped or stumbled, they would have been on him in a flash. But they wouldn't get the chance. One of their friends pounced from the webs above and dropped right onto Danny's wide shoulders. His head vanished inside its gaping mouth. Blood sprayed from beneath the creature, and Danny's limp body fell to the ground between two trees. All at once, the two that had been chasing him jumped on top, and other nearby trees were spray-painted red. While the creatures were occupied, I took full advantage and ran past Danny without looking back. I adopted a serpentine pattern, ducking around trees and taking random sidesteps to avoid getting dropped on like he had. The wall was just up ahead. I think the creatures knew how close I was to getting away because they started clicking louder and faster overhead. I could hear them scrambling down the trees behind me and on either side. There it was. The opening. The net was hanging loosely where I had cut it. When I reached the wall, I jumped and caught the edge. As I pulled myself up, I felt branch-like limbs pawing at my calves, ankles, and feet. Suddenly, something grabbed my wrists. I screamed and involuntarily let go of the wall, but I didn't fall. The white-gloved hands that had grabbed me were human. I was dragged over the wall and through the net by one person, while another sprayed a sweet-smelling chemical through it. The creatures all fell away from the net, hissing angrily. Those still in the canopy scurried away. A third person jumped in and used zip ties to close the opening I had cut into the net. The guy who had saved me put a hood over my head as I was rolled onto my stomach and handcuffed. I'm writing this from jail while awaiting trial. 
The prosecutor tried to silence me by making sure no one could visit me and that I had no way of communicating to anyone outside, but my lawyer got me some paper and a pen anyway. They're bringing charges of trespass and manslaughter against me, and unfortunately, my lawyer says they have a good case. The trespass I can understand, but manslaughter? They're clearly reaching to get me put away for a long time. Apparently, they're arguing that Danny's death was a direct result of my actions. If I hadn't gone in, then he wouldn't have had to chase me. They don't believe me when I explain how he willingly participated, and I don't have any proof. To them, Danny was just a guard chasing down an intruder. But you know what? I don't really care what happens to me now. I achieved my goal, and I hope I made my dad proud. Now I know what they're hiding in the Nebraska Barren, and you do too. Only two questions remain. How long will they be able to keep those things contained in there? And what's going to happen if they get out? You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening.